Welcome to the QI Chatroom. I'm your host, Kelly Bond. This podcast is brought to you by Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We're a network of community health centers and a wellness education site throughout Marin, Napa, Sonoma, and Yolo counties. We formed in 1994 with a mission of improving access to and the quality of care provided for underserved and uninsured people. This podcast is all about quality improvement, or QI, in healthcare. We'll bring you speakers from our member health centers, outside health centers, county and federal agencies, healthcare plans, and more. Those speakers will discuss promising practices they've identified at health centers, the latest data on specific health topics, and engage in conversation with our live audience. We've been hosting these chat rooms since late 2018 and transitioned to the podcast format in the fall of 2019 to reach a greater range of listeners. We hope you'll join us as we share the latest in quality improvement with you. This episode features speakers from the Northern California Center for Wellbeing, Carium, and Santa Rosa Community Health, who will talk about their work with community health workers, or CHWs, and partnerships that leverage this work. From the Northern California Center for Wellbeing, we have Carissa Moreno, who is a bilingual native of Sonoma County. Carissa is an innovative leader with over two decades of nonprofit management and 12 years of progressive healthcare leadership. Carissa earned her BA in Cultural Anthropology from UC Santa Barbara and her master's degree in Social Sciences from the University of Chicago. She is passionately committed to eliminating socioeconomic and health disparities in our communities, and she approaches whole person wellness through a social justice and health equity lens. Carissa began her health career at Santa Rosa Community Health as a bilingual health educator. Later, she served as Chief Operations Officer for Livingston Community Health and then Operations Director at Clinica Monsignor Oscar A. Romero in Los Angeles. Here, she spearheaded innovative pilots employing promotoras de salud, or community health workers, to provide health coaching and support for those struggling with the effects of chronic diseases. In 2018, she joined the Northern California Center for Wellbeing as their executive director, and in 2020, she was recognized as a nonprofit leader by the North Bay Business Journal. From Carium, we have Mike Hatfield, who is a technology pioneer and visionary. He has co-founded three successful tech ventures over the past 20 years. He brings together high-performance teams and new technologies in innovative ways to help transform industries. He is currently co-founder and executive chairman of his most recent venture, digital health company Carium. His interest in healthcare is driven by his motivation to help make it more personalized. Mike holds a BS in electrical engineering and mathematical economics from Rose Hulman Institute of Technology and an MBA in finance from Indiana University. Finally, from Santa Rosa Community Health, we have Jed Heibel who is the program manager for Santa Rosa Community Health's Care Coordination Department. He has been with the organization for a year and a half, and he will close us out speaking about their work with CHWs. Here's Carissa to kick us off. 
Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here with you today. Um, really exciting to have the opportunity to talk about the impact of community health workers and improving health outcomes. So I'm going to talk uh, kind of from the macro to the micro, uh, give you a little bit of an overview of the intent of community health workers, and then talk about some of the pilots that we're doing. Uh, so first off, community health workers are frontline health workers. They're generally from the communities that they serve and so that they're trusted members of those communities and are really able to address some of the barriers that might exist. A large focus of community health workers, especially when they're clinic-based, is really focusing on social determinants of health, uh, addressing some of those barriers, doing resource navigation and linkage to uh, social needs such as food, housing, economic support, transportation, etc. So community health workers are evidence-based as a model when they're integrated into the clinical care team um, to uh, improve health outcomes. And our goal as a larger return on investment is really the quadruple aim. So looking at that uh, real integrated clinical care team. A couple things to consider when you're uh, thinking about using community health workers, and I've done community health worker pilots all over the state. Um, and I think one of the things that people miss is some considerations about integration. So when you're looking at roles, scope of duties, uh, some of the workflows, but also the care team buy-in. Um, a lot of times when you have community health workers, you're kind of reallocating responsibilities for other folks. So say if you had an RN that was traditionally doing health coaching or chronic disease management, um, that might pivot so that the community health worker is doing that work, creating action plans, really supporting them moving forward in their wellness plans. And so that that would take that away from the RN. So it's really important to think through some of the, the changes in the clinical care team and get the buy-in. Um, other things to consider is training. So a lot of the work of a community health worker um, uh, is not necessarily intuitive and you have to create a space to really meet people where they're at. In the state of California, there is no uh, statewide recognition or certification program. Uh, we're really advocating for that because our end goal is the reimbursement of community health workers for the work that they're doing. There are several states in uh, the US that do have state recognized uh, certification programs and reimbursement for this work. So we know that it's a possibility and we're just not quite there yet in California. Um, but there are nationally recognized uh, kind of best practices around the training and uh, essential core competencies. Um, so if you are looking to do community health workers and you need a training resource, just wanna let you know that the Center for Wellbeing has funding that we're able to provide core competency training uh, four times annually. So another thing to consider is uh, fiscal sustainability. Since in the state of California, we don't quite yet have that reimbursement. There's a number of things that you can do to offset the cost of augmenting your clinical care team. So, you know, besides meaningful use, pay for performance, and the uh, in financial incentives that you would get from the improved health outcomes, there's also things that you can do like flip visits um, and shared medical visits, which is a successful model. And it, it, when it's done well, it's, it's really beneficial for the care team and for patients because you're leveraging that peer-to-peer -peer support. And that's where you really have this exciting uh, ability to have the community health worker really reinforce some of the, the positive practices that the cohort is, is doing. And then you have this great peer-to-peer -peer learning. Um, so I've, I've just seen some magic happen in these shared medical visits where you create uh, this very close-knit community. 
So for the pilots that we're currently doing, this is a, a prime example of, uh, you know, kind of integration of partnerships. Um, so we know, and as FQs, as nonprofits, we can't do things the way they were always done. We really have to be innovative in how it is that we're addressing um, some of the disparities, some of the uh, financial impact of the pandemic, and then, um, you know, just all the environmental trauma that is uh, facing our communities. So really looking at um, how it is that we can integrate health workers to help address some of this work. So we have done a couple different pilots. We, the Center for Wellbeing has piloted a small pilot with um, uh, the Sonoma County Indian Health Project where we had community health workers integrated into their care team. Um, one thing to note with community health workers, there is a probably a hundred different titles uh, that they fall under that umbrella. So everything from care coordinator uh, to clinical um, uh, team assistant to resource navigator to health coach, um, promotora de salud. Uh, so number, number of, of uh, names there. And so those were community health representatives and they were integrated into the phase clinic. And so we saw from the baseline of those that were phase eligible to those that have received the intervention of phase and those that received the additional intervention of community health worker case management and health coaching, there were significant improvements in health outcomes um, up to 16 to 18%. So really, really impressive. And then we had the opportunity in August to partner with Santa Rosa Community Health to offset the cost of uh, three FTE community health workers with two FTE specifically aimed at doing hypertension management, diabetes, and to a lesser extent, obesity. Um, and uh, there's a third pilot that we were doing in conjunction with uh, Mike Hatfield at Carium, where we're looking at uh, remote blood pressure monitoring. And so I'll speak a little bit to the specifics of that particular pilot. So we launched that uh, prior to the pandemic. We had a total of 27 pre-pandemic participants, uh, a number of whom were low-tech literacy Spanish speakers. And so having that engagement prior to the pandemic where we can invite folks into the center, really troubleshoot any of the issues that they were having, connectivity. Um, I've done other kind of remote blood pressure pilots where you have to have multiple apps to be able to sync with the blood pressure monitor and the uh, smartphone or the tablet that they're using. One of the huge benefits of is that there's one app. So it really is, is much more responsive to uh, engaging participants. So in this pilot, um, of the 27, there were, oh gosh, Mike, you can, you can chime in, I believe 23 that had significant uh, improvements in their outcomes. And then when the pandemic happened, we, we realized that it was a little bit challenging to get participants uh, enrolled with this because there was such a high touch point prior. Um, but currently we have a total of 48 participants. Um, so, and we've done a lot of new workflows to really see how we can engage folks. And so right now we are going into our Center for Wellbeing Nutrition classes, which are all online via Zoom. Um, and we're presenting this pilot as an opportunity for folks to sign up. And because these participants are already familiar with Zoom, they already have um, some tech competency, they're much more willing to uh, sign up for this. And so we're getting some great engagement. And some things that are really exciting about uh, this particular pilot is folks really love the app. Uh, they love the interconnectivity of it. They love that it sings with uh, other things like their uh, 
Apple uh, Health. Um, uh, there's a number of different features, like everything from inputting your, your food and can track calories. Um, there is a bi-directional communication with the community health workers. And it just allows a deeper level of intimacy when you're doing that case management, because if something comes up, um, you're able to address it right then and there. It also has an AI component. So say somebody does their uh, blood pressure and it's high, the, uh, the app will actually communicate to them that they need to go and get in contact with their provider. So a lot of uh, cool things happening here. Um, but I wanted to turn it over to Mike who can speak a little bit more specifically to the Carium app and some of the benefits that it can give, especially in the pandemic, where we're really trying to track the health outcomes when folks are resistant to coming in person for labs. So Mike, take it away. I, I want to say that uh, the the work that we've done with with Carissa and the Center for Wellbeing has been great, and and that sort of leads to a point I want to make about this is that you know certainly we provide the technology, but the the way we built the technology was not to be some kind of standalone, uh, just technology that people just used on their own, but rather uh, the ability to make it easy to collect this information that they can then share with their community health worker. And that that human connection is really what we care about the most. That so the technology is now is really used as an enabler to make it easier for the human connection. And, and we found that that's so important, um, not only in the work that we've done with the Center for Wellbeing, but across all of our deployments, that if you just, if you just say, okay, here, have a, have a cuff and here's this app and you can record your blood pressure, well, that's fine. That's certainly better than nothing but it really doesn't get to the heart of what really needs to be done, which is there's multiple layers to this. There's the, the collection reading of the blood pressure, which is important, but it's, it's really just the price of admission. Once you get that information, how do you use that information to help educate that person about what's going on, help them understand, Hey, when you've done this, this is, this is what's helped on your blood pressure. And here's a sign when it's gone up to give an example, you know, we track all this information. So when we, we launched that, uh, the, the work with Chris, uh, in the October timeframe of, of 2018, uh, 2019, um, and you can actually see the effect of the holidays on people's blood pressure. It was, it's fascinating to see. And so, so now, you know, when you have this conversation with a person, maybe they feel bad that their blood pressure went up. Hey, no, look, you're not alone on this. Everybody experiences this during the holidays. They're probably not eating as well. They may be under more stress because they're because of the situation the holidays. And so, so now there's a conversation around what's going on with someone's blood pressure. Uh, and it's not just this one, one uh, moment in time when you've, you've taken that in a, in a, in a clinical setting. It's, it's the continuum across that person's life. So in terms of our technology, in terms of what we try to do then is to, is to make it easy for someone to collect that information, certainly. Um, as, as Chris has said, that we have a, a single app to be able to do that, that both collects the information directly from the cuff, as well as then share that with their, whoever it is on their care team that's helping them in the case of the, in the, case of the Center for Wellbeing, it's a community health worker. In other cases, it can be a clinician. And that gives them the full visibility on what's happening uh, with all that data uh, in terms of what's all the measurements. It does alert, like Chris has said. So it, let's say that that person's not taking their measurements. Well, now, instead of having the, the person who's helping them dig through all the charts of all the people they're helping to try to find out that someone's not taking it, it, it alerts the person and says, hey, this person hasn't taken it for a week. You might want to check in to see what's going on. Likewise, if they're... Uh, their blood pressure is running high continuously, then you can check in. So what we're trying to do is to make the human aspect more scalable so that the things that the machines can do easily um, and help the person who's, who's trying to help that person 
um, do it uh, at, at greater scale, but not remove the human element. That human element is so critical to this. Um, the other thing I would say about the, the work that we've done is that we found that Spanish was really, really critical. A third of the participants have chosen to use the app in Spanish, and that, that was very meaningful to them. Uh, and then something that Chris alluded to, but is really important, it's not surprising that that some of the, the people that are using this aren't completely tech literate. I mean, that's that's not surprising to find. And what we what we've tried to do is to make it as simple as possible for that person. But one of the things that's clearly a part of this is to help that person get confidence around technology. Um, what uh, Carissa's community health workers have done is to, to, to carve out time just to go through that with a person and help them get up to speed. And there's a secondary benefit of doing this project that we found is that it's actually helped the person with their tech literacy beyond just the, the um, blood pressure piece because they, they, a lot of people, if they're, if they're unsure of something or they're, they don't think they can do it, they won't even try. And so with that community health worker, just giving them some confidence to, hey, this isn't so hard. Here's what we're going to do step by step. And all of a sudden, they're taking their own blood pressure. It's working really easily. They've, they've um, increased their confidence around the use of technology, which is a secondary effect we had not anticipated when we, we headed off with this. And, and uh, so that was, a, that was a neat benefit. And people, with some of the surveys, they, they're more confident in technology in general and being able to use their, their phones in ways they hadn't uh, previously. So to go to some of the results that Carissa alluded to, uh, we've had 23 of the 27 from that initial pilot lower their blood pressure by an average of nine points. A third of them use Spanish. 100% use the in-app app, in -app messaging. So that connection to their community health worker so they can easily communicate with the health worker about what's happening. And it's interesting the kind of range of conversations that get enabled once you've got this common set of data for people to look at because it's not just a one moment in a clinic for a blood pressure measurement. This is something over the course of months where some people are collecting their blood pressure. You can now have this richer discussion around it and, oh, here's, did you try this? And how about that? And, oh, I can see that maybe because of this, this happened. And, and so now there's an education uh, component to it. A hundred percent were taking their blood pressure measurements. So everybody who was in the pilot was actually taking their, their blood pressure. And that's one of the things that uh, we were surprised by it because we figured there would be some fallout that people just wouldn't, uh, you know, be taking their pressure, but they were. Um, every one of them um, did that. Uh, and then we added as a part of what uh, Carissa talked about, once the pandemic hit, we added a, a video visit aspect so that they could actually see the person on the other end. Uh, and uh, close to 20% of the people are using that um, as well to just, you know, continue that human connection that uh, is so important that we found. Um, so it's been a great success. It's been great working with with Carissa, and we continuously look at ways that we can leverage her her talented team more effectively by using the technology and help them do what they do better than sort of a, a replacement using technology to replace humans. We think that's just the wrong way to go. We really want the technology to make it easier for humans to do what they do best, which is that human connection to the person. Um, and so that that's been great to see that actually happen. And just to to give you a couple anecdotes then from the, the success. One is uh, one of the participants called her sister in Mexico and said, hey, I know all about blood pressure. You need to make sure you're watching your blood pressure and actually sent her a cuff, mailed it to her in Mexico so that she would have a cuff because of how uh, excited she was about understanding it and understanding the importance of it and, and, and her ability to, to make an impact on her own blood pressure. 
Uh, and then one of the other uh, quotes that I thought was really interesting from, from one of the, the participants, my blood pressure is well controlled. I love the app and unconsciously I've begun to take care, better care of myself by taking my blood pressure, which was something I wasn't doing before. Um, so, so there's this ownership piece too, that I think is really important that no matter what the healthcare worker does, if that person doesn't sort of make it important to themselves to manage their blood pressure and do the things that need to be done, there's only so much you can do. But, but what we found is that people, when they get to this information, they get confidence around it, they can measure it and track it and they've got the help. Um, it, it definitely makes a difference. And then the last thing I'll say is that many of the, of the blood pressure programs that we've seen that have existed prior to having this kind of technology tended to be a, a for a period of time. So it'd be say a 90-day period or something like that. And then at the end of the 90 days, the person's sort of off on their own. Uh, the beauty of having this technical connection is that we have something that we call the, the, the after program. And that data can continue to flow. That community health worker can check on on a far less frequent basis than the intensity they'd have during the program. But it gives that longer tail to this so that the person uh, may be struggling a little bit after the, the intense program. Uh, one, they can come maybe come back into the program. Two, there can be some maybe just a quick check-in. But the technology then allows for this long, what we call a longer tail to that engagement. Um, that isn't a, uh, a human resource intensive period, but certainly an important one. So all those things I think help um, sort of uh, indicate the, the, uh, the success of what we've done. And, and it couldn't have been done without the, the, the beautiful leadership that uh, Carissa and her team have done. I mean, that, that, that basis in terms of the approach from the community health worker perspective and how to do this well and engage with people is foundational. And then we're layering the technology on top of that. Uh, Chris, was there anything that you that I missed that you want to make sure we share? Yeah, you, so you had mentioned that the, seeing the trends around the holidays, where we know that there is you know, these these times in life when uh, our our best efforts are a little bit derailed. We also saw that impact with the Sonoma County wildfires, since this was a Sonoma County based pilot. Um, so really uh, good data and uh, feedback for us, because then we know how to respond to something, perhaps even in advance of it occurring. Um, so having that data really allows us to, to work more effectively. Um, and then in the pilot that uh, Santa Rosa Community Health is doing, um, again, really focused on the chronic disease health management. Um, and so I wanted to pass it to Jed so that he can speak specifically to this pilot. Sure. Thanks, Krissa. Um, yeah, so, so in our partnership with Center for Wellbeing, we have, uh, we're really excited at Santa Rosa Health. It allowed us to place uh, three community health workers, one at each of our, our three largest uh, clinic sites. This is really a step forward for us. Um, we, we have a care coordination team that's largely community-based, and we now are um, able to have community health workers in the clinics. As Carissa spoke to, uh, integration is, is really um, very important to, to success in this work. And so having the uh, team members there, attending morning huddles, going to clinical team meetings, um, that's really where the rubber meets the road in terms of integration for us and in, in getting the health workers uh, really engaged in the, in the care teams. Um, we, we look to support patients um, through the process of improving their health around diabetes and, and high blood pressure. And the way that we do that is the community health worker really becomes a, a clinic liaison. They wear quite a few hats. They become um, a coach, they become a, a clinic liaison, a cheerleader, a support system. You see time and time again in the patient stories that we have that as people uh, receive their diagnoses, 
they uh, often are overwhelmed by the lifestyle change that they that they feel they need to make, and and that can lead to people setting some unrealistic um, goals for themselves. Sometimes they go to uh, such extremes that it's not really sustainable for them in the long term to to follow those plans. So that's where these community health workers really come in. Is they talk to people about setting achievable goals and they help build confidence that they can do it. And, and that is done through regular check-ins. The community health workers, um, they're checking with these patients regularly. It's, it, they're um, much more accessible uh, a lot of times than, than the person's care team would be. And so it's as easy as picking up the phone and calling your health worker when you're having uh, a day where you're struggling or a time where you're struggling and the community health worker can help coach you through, through that. I, another really important aspect, as Chris had touched on, is social determinants of health. In our in our pilot, uh, each and every patient that enrolls the very first uh, appointment, they complete the Prepare Social Determinant of Health Assessment Tool, and that really opens up the window for us to really see um, all of the various factors that that might be, um, you know, uh, affecting somebody's well-being. And so, uh, it's really it really is a gateway for us to not only help them with chronic disease management to really look at their social determinants of health and provide them with the resources they need to make uh, you know, meaningful change in other areas of their life. You know, a couple ways, as Carissa spoke to, uh, for sustainability, a big part for us is um, going to be the uh, shared medical visits. We do that both individually and in group settings where provider and the community health worker come together and meet with that patient or a group of patients. And um, again, I think that the, the, the relational aspects between the community health worker and the patient, it cannot be overstated. It's, it becomes a very trusting, safe uh, relationship for the patient. And sometimes if they're struggling without their hearing from their provider or you know, um, there's a lot of medical terminology sometimes, they can sit with the health worker who has uh, you know, as much time as is needed to talk with that person about what's going on and what, you know, what their provider is recommending and talk to them about realistic ways to reach those goals. So um, I would just say one patient, I mean, here's just one story of many that we've had during the pilot, but just over the course of a three and a half month engagement, um, we had a, a person reduce their A1C by eight and a half points. And so they went from a 14 to um, a 5.7. And that, and that was uh through regular community health worker engagement that, that really, they had a few clinic appointments in there certainly, um, but it was, it was the, the trust and, and the confidence building that happened with the community health worker that the patient reported really made the change in their life. And I will say to that end that in, in the first six months of our pilot, we had 116 patients who completed um, pre and post enrollment biometric labs. And 74% of those, 84 of the 116 people showed meaningful clinical uh, improvement in their diabetes or blood pressure management. So that's, that's 74% of, of those people um, were, were struggling with, with their health management. And after this uh, you know, six month period, um, we're able to show that improvement. So that really, to me, speaks to the value of the community health workers in the clinic setting. I mean, it's in, in terms of QI, it's just a, it's a very remarkable um, uh, achievement. So we're really happy to be a part of the pilot. Maybe you guys could leave us just with any advice you have for other health centers that might want to start working with. Uh, maybe it's a technology, an app, um, or CHWs, community health workers, if you have, anyone has any advice. 
Uh, I can chime in here. I mean, again, it's really important to make sure that you're being cognizant of the integration and, you know, kind of how this will impact the clinical care team. With any pilot, you know, if you try something, it doesn't work, then, you know, you, you, you have to say, yes, great, we know that doesn't work, and then try something else. So just, you know, being patient, know that it does time, take time. Um, uh, but but just to, to really track those those results and outcomes uh, and then continue to, to rejigger as as needed. I just wanted to say thank you to all the speakers. Um, this is really important work and it's improving our health outcomes. And like Carissa said, it's not necessarily reimbursable yet. So it's not being valued in that sense, but it doesn't mean that this work isn't you know, of utmost importance. So it was really nice to get that behind the scenes. I've firsthandedly experienced um, community health representatives and their power in promoting health changes, but it was really nice to hear about the organization behind it and what it takes to bring these programs forward. So thank you so much. I should add that around that reimbursement piece, the good news is that because of all this work that's been done, there, there's definitely outcomes that can be pointed to the benefit of doing work in this way. Uh, and if you look at the, at the CMS level, they've begun to fund on the Medicare level this kind of work, which is great. Um, and then there are a number of projects that were involved in other states where they're from the, uh, a federal grant perspective, they've granted dollars around this to study this kind of work at FQHC. So we've got a big project going in Florida around that. So I'm, I'm hopeful that with the great outcomes that we're seeing and with these pilots that then the, the, the federal dollars will begin to flow around this kind of work. I, I don't have anything to promise and point to say, oh, you know, by, by next Thursday, all the money's flowing, but I am, I am quite um, encouraged by the fact that the results are happening and that these pilots are going to provide the basis for that ongoing support from the federal government around us. A big thank you to today's presenter, participants, and our listeners. I'm your host, Kelly Bond, and we'll see you next time in the QI chat room. Thank you.